Hi everyone, my name is Melissa Lee and I'm your health coach who targets women with PCOS and women in general who wants to achieve stubborn weight loss. I do my best work when I work with PCOS urban women in their 30s who are embarrassed about their weight but want to feel comfortable in their bodies and are able to lose stubborn weight naturally. In this podcast, we talk about various topics including why stubborn weight loss is so hard to achieve. If this is you, definitely put this in your podcast list because one episode will be released every single week. Hi everyone, today I would like to introduce you to the ladies from Living Lula, Wendy Opsler and Deborah Anderson. They're experts in helping women face fertility challenges using mind-body techniques and yoga. I first met Wendy and Deborah via a fertility and wellness summit last month when I was invited to speak as a panelist. I find them, they're both fantastic and knowledgeable about what they do, so I really wanted them to come to speak on the show today. So welcome. Thank you Thank so you. much for having us. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Hi. I'm so excited because I think the collaboration and, you know, what you, you two have kind of founded uh, is really amazing for women who face fertility struggles. Usually, they're only going to fertility clinics and they're really expensive. And so I would just want the audience to know what kind of holistic practices you use. Um, who, who is living Leela and who do you serve? So, well, I'm Wendy talking here, and Living Leela is myself and Deborah, as you've introduced to us. And um, we, are, we serve women and couples who are trying to conceive. And um, we actually first met um, while we were both studying fertility yoga with our teacher mentor, Brenda Strong. And um, at the time, I'm, I'm sure Deborah will speak more on this, she was actually going through her own fertility struggles and um, I had already been teaching the fertility yoga some and then we were diving deeper into some of the other modalities like the fertility ball method and that's when Deborah and I met um, and so for me it's been an interesting journey just in that um, when I started teaching yoga one of my first teachers happened to be Brenda and um, she is this fertility yoga expert and even though I wasn't seeking that in my life at the time I fell in love with the work and I was had been teaching the work for some time thinking that I never wanted to have children myself I was unsure <laughs> um, oh. and uh, and then as it as it turned out in my late 30s um, my husband whom I've been with forever we we finally decided that we were gonna give it a go and and we went through our own struggles and a few miscarriages and um, and then finally, we've been really blessed to have our, our one son. We're one and done, by the way. <laughs> um, but, um, but it's been an interesting full circle in that way for me, just because when I first started teaching the work, I wasn't even sure I wanted to have children, then ended up going through my own challenges and then being blessed to have a child. So it's been just interesting to be able to hold the space for women through kind of my own journey as well. And of course, the biggest blessing has been that Deborah and I got to meet and we became fast friends and co-collaborators co and teachers and creators um, of this work. and. Um, and I'll let Deborah also tell more about kind of her, her background and story too. Yeah. Hi everyone. I'm Deborah. <clears throat> Sorry, forgive me. I'm at the tail end of a cold. So my voice is a little, um, not at its usual, um, strength today, but, um, so I am a, a, a licensed psychologist. I specialize in health psychology and I'm also a neuropsychologist. So I come from that background as well. And, and then along the way, um, became a yoga teacher and then as Wendy was saying, um, was going through my own fertility journey and um, so wanted to look for um, yoga in that way and, and, you know, sort of did the Google search and found Brenda and her work and, and thankfully she was here, you know, in the Los Angeles area and I got to go and uh, do the teacher training, which is where I met Wendy. And um, so, uh, you know, for me, this work has been super helpful personally and of course I love to do it professionally. Um, because I have a very different story from Wendy. And again, I think that sort of rounds us out in terms of being mm -hmm. able to really identify with everybody on this journey, where for me, I was never able to get pregnant. Um, I was a stepmom, though, uh, as well. So I have been blessed to have that as part of my journey. 
And um, as I was trying and not able to get pregnant, uh, my stepdaughter did. And so my husband and I decided at that point that rather than to move on to donor eggs or adoption, that we would focus on being grandparents. And now I'm um, blessed to be the grandparents of three. So um, I had gotten, I've gotten my children in a different way and, you know, really do feel blessed because, you know, I won't go into all this, the details, but, um, you know, have had my own other health issues and, and things that maybe um, wouldn't, it wouldn't, might not have been so great for my body to have been pregnant. So for me, I'm just grateful for how my story um, has turned out and um, the wonderful love, uh, you know, I got in the way that I got it. So, um, and then just in terms of living Leela, <clears throat> just wanted to add also that at some point along the way, you know, Brenda uh, gave Wendy and I the blessing to, to sort of take this work and um, add our own expertises to it. And, and that is when, you know, Living Leela was created and, and we sort of ex have expanded the original work that she did, which was amazing. Um, mm -hmm. But again, have included other new pieces, including Wendy's specialties, my specialties, and brought on uh, our guest friend of ours, um, Megan Murphy-Rouse, who's a, a certified um, Ayurvedic practitioner and functional medicine practitioner. So she's um, added her piece to our um, work as well. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So first of all, thank you for sharing, you know, a little bit of your backstory. I can, I'm sure the audience will also, you know, can hear um, the passion and authenticity in both of your work. I think most of us, you know, we usually go through our own personal experiences. And from there, we're like, okay, we want to share this with other, everyone else. Um, I think I feel like it's faded that both of you got together and through the fertility yoga and started founding uh, Living Lila. Um, so I just want to know, how do you actually help your clients deal with hormonal imbalances? <clears throat> Well, there's a few different ways, and I just want to backtrack a little bit because mm -hmm. I think that, that your first question was really kind of two-in-one of like, who do we serve? And just to kind of go a little bit deeper into that, um, you know, it really is um, women and couples who are not just going through fertility. I mean, it is fertility, but just that it's there may be other issues they're dealing with, you know, like PCOS or endometriosis or many other uh, possibilities, <clears throat> immunological disorders and such. And they may, they may know that going in or they may not. And so it's kind of part of their journey, I think, is to kind of try to uncover and discover what all is happening as, as we all do, you know, as we're, we're kind of going through mm -hmm. something and trying to figure it out. Um, we also, though, work with some people who are just really being proactive in preparing to conceive that they haven't started to try yet. Um, so we, ha we have those types of people as well. Um, and, um, and then we also support women who have been through the fertility challenges, have finally gotten pregnant, and now they're, you know, they're potentially in, like, this new kind of um, energy of... Mm -hmm being pregnant, which they're happy about, but also like completely terrified, um, depending on what their journey's been thus far, if there's already been recurrent uh, miscarriages or, or pregnancy loss, or even just recurrent failed cycles. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to kind of touch on that, um, you know, and just also say that um, one of our goals is to start to in younger women who are not even ready to conceive, um, to teach them, you know, about more about to be more aware of their emotional health, their diet, um, toxin exposures, and kind of setting them up, you know, for their fertility journey that may come actually later in their life. And that's, I think, a good segue to kind of talk about how we Mm -hmm. um, approach some of the hormonal imbalances. Um, so Deborah, I don't know if you want to jump in on this one. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, first of all, when people often, let's just sort of, um, do a, a brief introduction to yoga, because I think a lot of times when people initially hear the word yoga, they're thinking of down dogs on the mat, which is certainly part of yoga, but yoga really is an eight limb, um, path or, or process. It's really this whole overarching philosophy of mm -hmm. um, tools, our toolkit of tools that are used to help you ultimately be in control of your mind and be a more peaceful, balanced person, no matter 
what you're experiencing in your life, which of course could include um, health and, and fertility issues. And so all of these tools of yoga, so they include things like the poses, which are called asana, breath work, meditation, what are called the yamas and niyamas. There's five of each. They're kind of like the 10 commandments of yoga. They're sort of like things that you can practice in your daily life. Um, the practice of concentration, the practice of pranayahara, which means uh, letting go of sort of your outward senses and being more internal and introspective. And then samadhi, which is your connection to more your higher, wiser self, um, your more bliss state, so to speak. And so all of these practices make up yoga. And what's so cool and interesting is, you know, I always say yoga has been around for 5,000 years for a reason because it's so good mm -hmm. for you. And so now we're really learning um, since people are starting, thankfully, to do like clinical trials on yoga and such. We're really understanding how these tools that were figured out thousands of years ago are just really um, helping us to balance mind, body, and spirit. And so, you know, whether it's the sound of chanting or doing certain breath works, like we're absolutely impacting the neuroendocrine system, meaning your whole neurologic system and your hormones, um, your just overall health with all of these things. And so just yoga in general is going to make you healthy, whether you have hormone um, imbalances or not. And if you do have something that's out of balance, including your hormones, it you help the body to self-regulate. So all of these tools are really about allowing the body to get to a place where it does its own healing and balancing really. So um, just doing yoga itself will, will help that. Um, we also then do um, specific work, whether it includes um, acupressure points on the body, for example, or um, movements and breath work that are, that are geared towards the whole second chakra area of the body, which is um, the lower abdomen, which is where the reproductive organs um, reside. So uh, we do things to help move energy, um, which is often called stagnation in Eastern philosophy. So the idea is that if we are stagnating because we have toxins in there or we're holding emotions or whatever it may be, that you want to move those things out so that you eliminate dis-ease. Because uh, if we don't, dis-ease will turn into disease. Um, so the whole idea is we're, we're specifically targeting the reproductive organs just to make them as healthy as possible, really. And um, the other beautiful thing about yoga or any kind of stress management tools are, is that when you help the adrenals to not be so overtaxed, because your adrenal glands are what release epinephrine and cortisol when you're um, in your fight, go into your fight or flight state. Um, that when you relax the adrenals and they're healthier, then they're also going to help the thyroid be healthier and the ovaries be healthier and so on. And so it becomes this trickle down effect. So some of the things we do in a nutshell, what I'm trying to say is some of these things are just overall good for stress and well-being of the body. And then some of the tools that we use are, are very targeted towards the reproductive organs. Um, we also do teach in the work that we do, um, uh, we talk about diet and environmental toxins because mm. those are probably a huge part of why we're seeing um, such increased rates of fertility nowadays, right? So genes don't change that fast, but clearly what we've done in terms of lifestyle in the last hundred or so years is having a huge impact, not only on fertility, but also just all of these other disorders that have never been at such a high rate, like heart disease and diabetes and obesity and autoimmune disorders and such. So um, we try to educate really, you know, from this whole global perspective on all of these things that you're doing every day, um, which are things you can change because there's a lot of things on this journey that you can't, um, that you can make changes that are going to impact your health, which include your fertility. It sounds like it's a very holistic, um, it almost sounds like functional medicine, right? Like our choices and our environment influences our genes. And then I get what you're trying to say. You are impacting our biochemistry in our body and that, you know, impacts our, our thoughts, our emotions, our energetic self. Um, when you were explaining the whole yoga philosophy, I actually got reminded of when these, um, uh, 
webinar while well, she was talking about the yoga philosophy in the fertility summit and i absolutely loved it because i was like oh this is like <laughs> the entirety of yoga it's not just you know being on the mat it's not just right. breath work i think there are a lot of components um, of yoga that was really interesting and i wish we had more time <laughs> to talk about it here um so yeah thank you for um you know describing that whole kind of holistic perspective on targeting hormonal balances i feel like a lot of women they feel like okay they're just reaching for some kind of cream on some kind of hormone replacement uh, just because you know they have certain deficiency of some hormone levels mm -hmm. yeah. do you encounter a lot of women who you know go on fertility drugs before they come to you Yes. Um, I mean, many of the women, not all, but many of the women we see tend to be in the deep middle or toward the kind of end of their fertility journey that they've been in it for a while. So oftentimes once they've gotten to us, they're already seeing um, fertility doctors and using um, fertility drugs and hormones mm -hmm. to help either support them through more of a, a natural cycle or, an IU, or a medicated IUI or IVF. So yes, um, we do. Mm -hmm. We sure do. Yeah, that's unfortunately so. I feel like, you know, conventional medicine is really um, leading the way in that path. So how do you, so you mentioned that you are targeting women who are like, you know, preconceiving in that stage where they're thinking about fertility. How do you actually manage their perspectives on fertility? Yeah, I think it's actually very similar to what we do for the people who are midway or towards the end of their journey. It's really about education. You know, one of the things that I really found um, so interesting being a healthcare provider and, you know, someone who is in her late 30s when I was going through my journey was I, I read um, probably many of you out there have heard the book of Taking Charge of Your Fertility. And I'm reading it. Oh, going, I, I have that too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, how come nobody taught me this stuff sooner? Uh, I was like, this is crazy. Like I'm a female and this is my body. And I don't even know some of these basics about my menstrual mm -hmm. cycle and how to, you know, not, not use it to not get pregnant potentially versus get pregnant as well. And so I think education is a huge part of it that I think a lot of times, you know, um, <clears throat> It, depending on the philosophy that you've grown up with, it's sort of like you go to your provider and they just tell you what to do or they say, mm -hmm. go on this or take this or don't do that. And you just sort of listen because they're the quote unquote expert. And, and so what I love about this is, you know, we want to really teach people to be empowered to, to take charge of the parts they can control, which is knowledge about your body and what it's doing and the foods that we're eating. You know, I'm still kind of surprised, I guess, because this is the work I do. And I've been learning, for example, about the diet and disease stuff for probably 15 to 20 years now. I don't even remember. And that's sort of just the way I eat and live is that when I meet other people who don't know this stuff yet, that there's still so many people who don't know this stuff yet. Um, and so, you know, and, and it's also, you know, sometimes people also know and they don't want to do the work. So that's another piece of the puzzle sometimes too. Yeah giving up the things we love to eat or some of the beauty products that we've loved for so many years that might be toxic. We have to go through a loss process of that as well, um, besides whatever losses we're, we're going through on the fertility journey. So, you know, it, 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 it takes courage and energy to go through um, change, you know, in terms of your whole lifestyle. Um, so we teach them, you know, we want to teach people, the idea of teaching people sooner rather than later is, you know, particularly with things like toxins, which again, we're taking in through our food, the air that we breathe, the beauty body products that we put on every day, is that many of these things um, include what are called endocrine disruptors, meaning they disrupt the hormones in your body. And if one of these endocrine disruptors, for example, mimics estrogen, then it might either um, trick the receptor in your body by acting like estrogen and trickling down the next and the next part of the pathway, um, or it will block the receptor for estrogen. So part of why we, you know, the, the uh, literature and such talks about why we have such increasing rates of fertility and that it's getting younger potentially is probably because people are building up toxins in their body at a much faster and younger rate than they used to. So, you know, to us, the more you can educate people at a younger age to 
make better choices about what they put in and on their bodies that hopefully they're going to um, be impacting their fertility in a healthy way down the road rather than waiting to do the work, you know, on the back end. And also, you know, along that same line, um, just being aware of like, the use of plastics, because we know that they have a leaching effect um, that can also uh, create this, these endocrine disruptors, um, not to mention carcinogenic, you know, cancers. Um, but so just kind of looking at like, you know, trying to avoid the use of plastics as much as possible, um, particularly in the preparation of food, the storing of food, water, you know, if you're drinking out of plastic water bottles, things like that. I mean, I will say that I think, I think it's a little more getting a little more in the mainstream that, that, that type of education, but even 10 years ago, it wasn't. I mean, we were telling people about it, you know, and um, mm -hmm. I'm glad to, to, I think that it's like a little more mainstream and, and, um, and hopefully, Hopefully, you know, across like the U.S. I mean, we're in Los Angeles, so it's a little more, you know, um, you know, ahead of the time sometimes. Right. But, yeah. But but, um, but I think you know, with the internet and things like that, I think that there's more of that being kind of educated. Hopefully, across the whole U.S. and hopefully globally, because it, it's a big it's a big piece of it. It is. Yeah, a it's a big piece. Oops, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, and it's really, again, not just about fertility. This is about your health um, and longevity, as well as once you are pregnant and you have your babies, right? Because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about BPA. Wendy brought it up is that, you know, there's all the bottles and the, the baby toys and the this and that that are all saying BPA free. Um, yay that they took the BPA out. But unfortunately, they replaced it in many of these products with bisphenol S, BPS. And that's being found to be just as much of an endocrine disruptor as BPA. So also don't be fooled by what might quote unquote look like a healthy product. So, mm -hmm. you know, really we kind of need to go old school is what mm -hmm. I always say. We need to start cooking from scratch more and using glass and um, wood and, you know, some of those things that have been around for a long time mm -hmm. that aren't going to be toxic mm -hmm. in the same way that these sort of modern things that we created, I would say, you know, these things were likely created to make life more convenient and easy. You know, we put food in cans and made TV dinners and, you know, all of these things with the idea of making life easier, but unfortunately it's also looking like making us sicker. So we have to kind of go old school for some of those things and, and, you know, including when our, our babies are here so that we're not already introducing those toxins to their body, you know, from the moment they're born. But here's the sad thing. I'll just add it in and then we can get off the topic of toxins, but this is like mm -hmm. one of my um, love areas that, so to speak, that I love to talk about is that the average mom has about 200 toxic chemicals in her cord blood. So babies are already being um, exposed to toxins in utero before they actually even come out to the world. And um, uh, that's so insane. sadly, yeah, so sadly, that's also impacting their health, you know, before they even get here. So we have, we have some cleaning up to do um, in terms of if we really want to be healthy as a society and a planet, we've got a little bit of work to do. Yeah, I'm so glad that we talked about toxins because it's a really big part of what I always talk about, like beauty products and, you know, changing the home environment. Um, yeah, I think that's crazy to think that, you know, a, like a mom, she would already have chemicals in the cord blood and then affecting the babies. Um, it just seems that the ease of wanting to get things done faster and easier translates into disease later on. It's, it's really sad um but so let's move on from here i do want to talk a little bit about uh, fertility yoga because i think it's kind of brand new i think uh women have you know heard about changing their diet and hopefully about toxins when it comes to improving their chances of conception but what is it about fertility yoga that you know can really help their reproductive health well, I mean, yoga is going to help move energy and, and create more circulation and, and calm the nervous system and all of those things. And all of those are very important for overall health, but also fertility. Um, many women and, and, and their, their partners, their male partners, you know, are when they're going through fertility challenges, they're going through major stress, um, stress that has been, you know, compared to the stress of, you know, a diagnosis of 
cancer uh, or AIDS or something like that. So um, the amount of stress that's happening um, physically, emotionally, you know, really financially, kind of on all these levels are impacting both partners. And, and certainly um, the woman, the woman who's going through, you know, the physical kind of like synthetic hormones and stuff like that. There's just a lot happening. So with the fertility yoga, you know, we're looking at um, increasing circulation and blood flow to the reproductive organs, decreasing the amount of stress um, and instilling tools. I mean, Deborah already kind of touched on this, but really instilling tools that um, help us to feel like there's certain things we can control. There's so much out of our control, but there's certain things we can control. Like um, we can notice if we're taking deep breaths or not. And, and, and once we are able to do that, that's going to impact our nervous system. It's going to start to elicit that parasympathetic nervous system, which is the relaxation response. Um, you know, and we can start to really move the body in a way that allows us to feel connected to the body. Because another thing that happens is that many women who are going through fertility challenges feel betrayed by their body. They feel broken. They feel angry. They're heartbroken. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff's happening. Um, and they potentially are, feel kind of cut off from their body. They're kind of living up kind of in, you know, what we call the monkey mind, <laughs> where they're just, they're worrying about the future. They're, you know, maybe having regrets about the past. And so what we're really trying to instill are kind of those tools that are going to support them along this journey in that way. And of course, it also makes them more aware of their reproductive organs, kind of where those organs are. I mean, like Deborah kind of touched on, you know, when she discovered that book, um, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, it's like, I, I agree, it was the same for me. I was like, whoa, um, cervical mucus? Like, what? Yeah, you I know. know. Um, yeah, changed my life. Seriously. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, but just to kind of allow us to all, as we're going through and this uh, fertility yoga and really connecting to our breath and our body and the sensations of our body and being in the moment kind of maybe more so gives them the opportunity in that hour or two that we're with them to uh, um, to allow that for them to allow them to to discover that for themselves when maybe the rest of their day you know they're you know some high-powered you know attorney or businesswoman and they're very maybe type a and they're just kind of like on that linear path of like mm -hmm. i'm going from a to b to c and 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 perhaps and we do get a lot of kind of a type personalities that kind of come down the line here where you know they are very used to you know well if i do this and this and this will happen and so once right. they kind of stumble upon this uh, roller coaster ride of the fertility journey—it's um, a very different experience, and it can feel uh, not so good. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we're really working to cultivate um, the yin energy. The feminine energy is is really mm -hmm. what it's about. So this isn't—you know—if you come to our classes, it isn't like power yoga, and you're going to be all leaving all sweaty. Not that we never build up heat and and warmth in the body. We do, but it's really more yin focused and and to touch on what Wendy was saying, you know, again, we're so trained in our culture often to be um, doers, um, you know, get the good grades, climb the corporate ladder, you know, get the house, get the significant other, all of those things, but we're not often taught that's the masculine energy, the doing part. Um, the feminine is the yin, and that's about being receptive, um, pausing and sitting still, uh, and being grateful for what you already have. And so we're trying to cultivate that muscle of learning to be grateful and being still and being receiving. Because what we always say is if you're so busy thinking and doing, you might not even see some of the other opportunities that the universe is trying to sort of send your way. And so if you never get quiet, you're never going to see or hear those messages from your inner guidance. And so we're trying to cultivate more of that because, again, a lot of times people are more those type A you know, personalities, so to speak, mm -hmm. and they just want it when they want it. And, and, you know, fertility is one of those things. I mean, as is much of life where, yes, sometimes there's a physical piece and you just, you know, need to correct the progesterone levels because someone has a luteal phase defect, for example, or they don't have enough iron or whatever it may be. But sometimes the lessons are more emotion or emotional or spiritual. 
And so there's all these pieces that really have to line up for fertility to happen. Mm -hmm. And so just like nature, you can't control the sun, you know, rising or setting or when the flower is going to bloom. Some of these things you have to learn to let happen. You have to surrender to the process of it. And so we do focus on, you know, those those pieces of it as well, as well as the emotional components. You know, we really address that in the sense of, as Wendy said, it's often this roller coaster ride, and you know, there's hope mixed with despair, and you're grieving every failed cycle, and um, so there's all of these emotions that are coming in. And so, if you've never really learned how a good coping strategies for those earlier in your life, and now fertility happens to be the mirror that's presenting them to you. The idea is, you know, we want to give you a tool so you can ride those emotions and these experiences that are challenging rather than, you know, I'll say a lot of times people are bracing against future loss. They're always trying to prevent the bad thing from happening rather mm -hmm. than riding the wave through it. So, you know, we're kind of trying to really look at all of those pieces and, and give people toolkits that are emotional, you know, the thought parts, the mm -hmm. emotion parts, the body parts, you know, all of it. I'm glad you actually talked about that. It seems like you are answering my questions already because I wanted to ask uh, on behalf of women, what's the difference, you know, be, between going to your classes and like going to a normal yoga studio? And obviously it's, you know, talking about all these emotional aspects of the fertility journey. And it seems like it's a huge learning lesson for type A women because they have to learn how to let go. That's a that sounds like a really hard lesson for them to uh, go through. Yeah, it's a hard lesson for most humans to go through. Let's mm -hmm. be clear. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're all be, running. It's yeah. even more. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's why when we do the, the classwork um, live, um, mm -hmm. the first part of the class is always a support group part where people can really just have a space to, to come and share and um, talk about what's going on and lean on other people who can really understand because I think one of the big parts of, of fertility um, more than with with other medical disorders because I work with a lot of people who have other medical disorders is the shame the secrecy that they don't want to tell somebody else that they're going through this and so you know this what we love is, you know, we're there to, to provide sort of that safe space where they can um, just let it out. And, you know, sometimes even if you have a great significant other, sometimes you just want to come and say, you know, but they didn't do this very well, or, you know, mm -hmm. I wish they would help me more here. And, you know, so we just provide that safe space for all of those things to happen. And do you guys recommend uh, seeing a therapist uh, alongside your group classes? Um, absolutely. If somebody, you know, needs that kind of support, sure. I mean, I think it's helpful. You know, I certainly as a psychologist don't see therapy as for people who are quote unquote crazy or only have, you know, significant mental health issues that mm -hmm. we can all benefit from that objective ear and someone who's trained to sort of see us, you know, and our behavior patterns in a more objective way to help steer us. Because what I always say to people is, you know, we all learned what we learned to survive our childhoods. Um, even if they were generally great, everyone has trauma, whether it's little T trauma or big T trauma, as Bessel van der Kolk from Harvard would say. Um, and so we can all use a boosting of our toolkit here and there. So yes, absolutely. You know, it's really what we want to teach people is to learn to listen. To themselves. And so yoga is really about, you know, the expression is you got to work with who's on the mat with you today. So if I need more rest, I'm going to allow myself to rest. If I need to move more vigorously, I'm going to choose to do that today. If my body's craving a certain kind of food, I'm going to eat that. And if I need more support, I'm going to seek that. So certainly that could come in the form of individual therapy or, you know, there are other great, um, group supports out there, you know, that Resolve, for example, has on their websites if people are looking for other group support options as well. Yeah, that sounds really good for them. Wendy, do you have anything to add on this topic? No, I mean, Deborah said it all so beautifully, okay. but I mean, it's one of the things I love about the yoga practice and just to go back to yoga is really a lifestyle, as you were saying, as I talked about this in my talk for the summit, you know, that it's mm -hmm. not just about the poses, um, but it's one of the things I love because it really is about 
kind of working that intuitive muscle or, you know, that like really listening to your gut, you know, that term of like, listen to your gut, it never lies. It's true. <laughs> you know, it's like that, that little, that voice of intuition, if we can get quiet enough and just kind of listen in, it really, really will guide us. So that's one of the things I love about the practice. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I'm so glad that we covered kind of what you do as, you know, in Soulful Conceptions. Um, you were saying a little bit about shame. I think shame is a really, really big emotional struggle that women with fertility have. Could you say more about that? Yeah, I think shame is probably one of the most painful emotions humans have in general, whether it's coming from your fertility challenges or not. And so, you know, if we can learn to embrace that emotion as well as any of the uncomfortable ones, we're just going to navigate life in a more peaceful way. Um, but yeah, as I was mentioning earlier, it, there's often so much secrecy, secrecy around this that, that for some reason, you know, I don't think people with cancer, for example, go, oh, I better not tell anyone I have cancer, but we see this with fertility. And so I'm not really sure why, it just kind of, it is what it is. But one of our goals is to really sort of break down, you know, that wall of people and have them get more in tune with the shame, because sometimes people are also are not in tune with their shame, but to get in tune with it, to embrace it, to really just own their story. Um, uh, and just realize that their fertility struggles are only part of their story. It's not what defines them completely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of my um, colleagues in mental health, Dan Siegel, he uses the expression, if you can name it, you can tame it. So we know that, you know, from the therapy um, research that if you can give words to your uh, uh, experience, then you're already starting to shift the firing patterns in your brain so that you're no longer just on that loop of, mm -hmm. you know, I'm reacting to my old buttons, whatever they are. Um, and now I can hopefully find some mindful space as I work that muscle of mindfulness so I can see it from a different perspective. And that's really what you, you know, it's not going to not be part of your story, but you can reframe how you think about your story. Which is what I was about to say. That's Kind of one of our goals you know is, is we say like reframe the shame you know um of what they're going through and so actually it's funny you guys brought this up because we just just recently in the last month we have um, launched initiated what we're calling a tame the shame campaign um and so because we're so passionate about this and it's it's really a hurdle that we see um the women we work with going through, but it's a hurdle for us as practitioners too, because we can't even get people really to engage and share and, you know, whatever about it. And so, um, and we know just from the work we've done for over a decade now, almost 15 years really at this point, um, when we're sitting in the room with those women and people are sharing, there is major transformation that happens. I mean, it really is a beautiful thing that happens. They may walk in that door feeling broken, you know, or just like completely at their wits end with this, but there is something that shifts. And I think it starts with, that's why we always start the classes with the sharing to really just kind of break it open, you know, so that they can just like let it out. And then we start to, you know, move the energy through the, the physical practice of yoga. But so anyway, so back, so we, so we launched this Tame the Shame campaign and um, we're very excited about it. And um, we have a um, Instagram page called um, Tame the Shame. It's tame underscore the underscore shame. So if anybody wants to check us out on there and what we're really, we're really inviting people to um, begin to share in the ways that feel safe for them. Now, there's many ways they could do this. So they could just, they could go to a support group or they could start a support group. There's many peer-led support groups, also professionally-led support groups. Um, maybe they um, uh, write on a piece of paper. We have these little templates. Uh, you know, if, if people really want to learn about this, they can go to our Living Leela um, blog site. And we have a whole thing written up on this and these little templates we created but one of them is this little template and it has a, a blank line so you like fill in the blank it says blank is part of my story so that people can start to write what it, what is this thing that's maybe been something that's created this shame feeling of shame 
same, that they can start to name it as Deborah was saying. So they can write it out and it, might, it may not be just one thing, it might be several things. Maybe they do several pieces of paper or what have you, but, and that maybe they, maybe they just print it out, write it, you know, fill in the blank and they stick it up on their wall and that's a way for them, you know, to be able to share. Maybe they share it with a friend uh, or a family member or maybe in a group or maybe they join our movement on social media and they share it on social media, you know, and they could, they could hold the thing in front of their face. They don't even have to show their face. Um, but just a way to get people to be in action around this, to be, um, really just opening their hearts and starting to really name the shame and, and really name the pain, if you will, because that's really what it's about to start to let it dissipate some. Right. Because we're all perfectly imperfect is, you know, the, the news is that we all have something in our story that, um, or, you know, we have strengths and we have weaknesses, each and every one of us. So when we can, you know, part of, of the lesson of shame is to work the self-love and compassion muscle that if we can start to say, you know what, even though I'm perfectly imperfect, I am still lovable and worthy and, um, perfect in my own way, so to speak, then I can also start to see everyone else that way. So shame is really there to help teach us the lesson of unconditional love. It's not, you know, I always say your emotions aren't there to torture you. They're there to teach you something. Mm -hmm. So if we can embrace that shame when it comes up and say, you know, this is actually here to help me become a more compassionate and loving person, then again, you can move through it rather than hide from it or you know what people often do when they're feeling ashamed and don't know it is they get judgy and critical of other people mm -hmm. so you know there's these cues that we're in, in a shame state that we're not always even aware of but the idea is again let's all embrace that we're perfectly imperfect together and nobody's better or worse than anyone else and just again name it so it can be part of your story not your whole story i love it I think this is like practicing vulnerability and you know, the antidote to shame is, is exposure. So the more you expose, the more you get used to telling the truth, accepting that it's part of your story, you know, the more um, I, I can see that women will be more uh, acceptable, accepting basically of their fertility struggles. That's amazing. Yeah. I hope this movement goes viral or something. <laughs> Thank you. So do we. Yeah, that would be awesome. So when did you launch this? Last month or? Yeah, just in the last few weeks, actually. We, okay. we actually launched it right at the end of the summit that you were part of because the very last um, talk, if you will, was our Tame the Shame. We were talking about mm. this topic and we decided when we were kind of putting that together, we were so passionate about it. We were like, let's do a little bit more with this. Maybe it's not right. just talk. Maybe it's actually... Yeah. A movement maybe it's a camp more of a campaign an invitation mm -hmm. for people to be you know a part of and um, so yeah join us um, you can join us on Instagram uh, and and go from there we're putting up different content and sharing other people who are starting to share their little template pages <laughs> and um, maybe it's just we have we also have one that's the perfectly imperfect template um, or they can make their own you know these are just these are just suggestions but um, certainly we'd love for anyone to create what is going to help them you know start to move through this a little I more would love that I'll put all the links to that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I have a little question. So part of your program uses kind of the fertility ball method. Uh, could you touch on that a little bit? Because I think it's, you know, it's kind of different. And uh, I guess many women wouldn't know about it. Yeah, so um, our teacher mentor, Brenda Strong, uh, created this product called the Fertility Ball Method. And it's a pair of balls about the size of grapefruits. And the texture of the balls are very smooth and they um, are supportive, but they have give. So they're really interesting, uh, have a different, interesting touch to them, if you will. And they basically work with the acupressure points for fertility. So we know through acupuncture, there's these different, you know, the fertility meridians and different points that are specifically used. Um, and we always uh, encourage 
everyone that we talk to is going through fertility to go to have acupuncture for fertility. But many people either, you know, you can only do acupuncture so many times a week, either due to, you know, time or funds or both. Um, and so the uh, fertility ball method is such a beautiful um, thing to add to that practice because you can do it on the days you're not doing acupuncture. You can integrate it into the fertility yoga practice, or it can be a standalone practice. Um, mm -hmm. In the fertility ball method, there are, I think, I think 14 different exercises, maybe 15. I can't remember now because we added some, but, um, but they, those, you could do all 14 of them, or you could like pick and choose and just do one or two or one, depending on how you're feeling that day and kind of what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and what's beautiful about it is not only is it working with the acupressure points for fertility, but it's also working to calm your nervous system because you're getting into these positions. It feels good. Again, you're taking this time for yourself to get quiet and use your breath and start to sense and Feel what's happening. Um, and also it can be used for myofascial release as well, which is something we've been playing uh, with as well. Last year we did a whole segment um, for endometriosis awareness month and we mm -hmm. uh, did a video to talk about using the fertility balls for myofascial release. So that's another kind of added bonus to what they can do. And Deborah, mm -hmm. am I missing anything? Yeah. And I was going to say it's just another tool again for self-awareness, right? So one of the mm -hmm. exercises actually um, you're using it to sit on your pelvic, to release your pelvic floor. And for a lot of women, the very first time they sit on the ball, they're just like, oh, like there's actually a lot more tension and, and discomfort initially when they sit on the mm -hmm. balls because again, it's not a part we're aware of most of the mm -hmm. time. Uh, and so it's helping to, to release, you know, tension. It's that myofascial release that Wendy was just talking about. Or, you know, we have another one that's an abdominal massage. So again, sometimes you don't even know. It's like, you know, I would say it's like when you go for a massage and someone starts working on your body and you have no idea how tight you are until they start working on those muscles. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. It's just another tool in some of these positions that we put you in where you just can be aware of where you may be holding and gripping in your body and then can use that um, feedback to then help release that tension. Interesting. So I'm guessing they would be used for painful cramps as well. Like even just, you know, a woman who's not wanting to conceive or is not pregnant, like that would be helpful too. Absolutely. And, and it really goes back to everything we've already said about them because, um, you know, they are working with to, um, kind of activate some of those points that like, like for instance, we have the ganglia of nerve endings at the sacral plexus. So the very base of the back, right? And those, those wrap around and feed the reproductive organs. And we all know that oftentimes when we're about to start our period, that low back area can get super achy and, um, you know, and just feel kind of like, I mean, it's, it's your belly too, but it's like kind of your back, your hips, that whole kind of area just can kind of feel like, Ugh. so yeah, you can, you can lay with the balls there. It feels really lovely. It's almost like a little massage. You can lay over the balls. Um, we do, it's super intense, but it's basically child's pose with a ball at your belly. So you're basically laying over the ball like in a tight kind of child's pose position. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways to utilize the balls. And certainly over the years, um, I've just, it's one of my favorite things about, I mean, there's so much I love about what we do, but it is one of my favorite things that we do are the <laughs> fertility balls because there are so many things you can do with them. But also like I've worked with women who aren't even trying to get pregnant. They either have endometriosis or whatever's going on and they're using them for that. I also mm -hmm. have an 82 year old client I've been working with the last three years and she has a pair of them and she loves them and we do all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah. I'm even working with them right now with the cancer patient. So I think there's a lot of different uses for them. Um, mm. So they're, they're just a lovely, a lovely product, lovely tool to have. Yeah. Oh, and again, so going good. back to, for, you know, uh, your whole lifespan of health that really, you know, like one of the points that we have people massage um, is really just about good blood flow to the uterus. So again, it could be used for a teenager or a young adult who's not even trying or when we're menopausal, right? The other end of the spectrum just to help regulate um, blood flow into the yeah. 
reproductive organ. Mm -hmm. And that same point actually is AIDS and digestion too. So, you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's always, you know, those, those acupressure points and meridians of the body usually aren't just one thing, of course, because our body is one whole beautiful mechanism. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I was thinking of digestion when you said that, that whole area, that's all so comforting. I need, I need a pair of those balls. Okay, great. Um, so we're just kind of wrapping it up here, but are there anything, you know, is there anything about women's health and like fertility that you want people to know? Like any, you know, obvious misconceptions or big myths surrounding fertility? Well, I think one of them that we just touched on a little bit earlier is that it just happens when you're older um, mm -hmm. because we're certainly in the last 10 years, 10, 15 years since we started this work seeing, you know, it used to be that it was the 38 to 45 year olds who are coming to work with us, but now we're seeing a lot of women in their early thirties or late twenties. So again, I'm not sure if this is, you know, just sort of the overall health because of all the toxins and stuff and stress, the higher levels of stress or whatever the reasons are. But, you know, I had a patient even in my private practice who had um, diminished ovarian reserve in their early 20s. So it can happen at any point. Um, so it's, again, this is not to scare anyone, but just kind of to be aware of. And, and you know, if you're somebody who knows for sure you want to have kids to really be proactive about your health and maybe go see a gynecologist or go see you know, a reproductive endocrinologist, which are quote unquote, the fertility docs, quote unquote, um, to get just tested and get your baseline. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing is, you know, again, I'm talking about sort of more of the, the negative quote end of it, but is that, you know, things can change rapidly. So you can also go get tested and a couple of months later, things can change. On the flip side, on the positive end though, is that if you also do start taking care of yourself and doing some of these holistic practices, we've also seen women who, um, you know, had been told you're probably never going to get pregnant or you're going to only get pregnant through IVF or donor egg or donor egg, donor egg <laughs> or whatever now conceiving successfully mm -hmm. on their own. Mm. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. Before, you know, before we go off, I do want to ask you some fun questions. So because both of you, you know, you're so in tune into the whole holistic healing. Uh, what kind of self-care routines do you have for yourself? Well, I love to take baths. It's like my <laughs> thing. It's been my thing. I mean, since I was young, early in college, um, I love uh, it being this whole ritual of, you know, bath salts and essential oils and candle and favorite music and just really taking the time to just sit there and sweat. Um, so that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, and I also love, of course, to practice yoga. I mean, it's just one of the things that, that is very nurturing for me. Um, it allows me to just it just gives me that time to just be with myself, with my body, with my breath, with the sensations in my body. And, you know, there are days that um, my body doesn't feel great. Like it feels hard. Like I get on the yoga mat and it's, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not just moving effortlessly. I actually feel like I weigh a ton and I'm moving through molasses, you know, mm -hmm. but, but that's part of the practice and to just um, not have judgment around that, to be able to set an intention to just whatever my intention is. And that might shift as I get on the mat. Cause sometimes I don't even realize I'm feeling that way until I actually get on the mat. So it's just one of my, it's one of my favorite ways for self care because I can just be with what is and know that even those days where it feels hard or maybe like I have an ache or pain or something, I always feel better afterwards. So that's kind mm. of the beauty of the, of that practice. But, um, and then I love to hang out with my, my five and a half year old and, and my husband, you know, so that's, mm. that's just to have that time of like, there is like this past weekend, um, it was just a weekend, thank goodness, where there wasn't too much to do, you know, too many other like, uh, things that were already scheduled. Um, and it was just lovely. Like we just kind of like piddled around the house, you know, and then like went out to lunch and then went for a walk and just things like that. So just being with my family and being connected, feeling connected. So those are some of the ways that, that I do self-care. Nice. What about yeah. you, Deborah? 
For me, I mean, certainly yoga for sure. It's it's been one of the mm-hmm. the biggest gifts to my life, and and um, I wish I often had more time to go to the mat at the studio and do it. But what I always tell people when they ask me, "Do you do yoga every day?" and I say yes, because it's not just about going to the mat and moving the body. It's all of those other practices that we were talking about. And so to that, and I think one of the things that helps me because I'm um, often very busy um, and do more things than I would like to sometimes, but I'm I'm choosing them. So I totally own it, but it's really what helps me um, move through that in a peaceful way is to just really be present with whatever I'm doing. So when I'm in the office, I am just focused on my clients and working with them when I come home and Wendy and I are working, you know, to do our work in the evenings on a Zoom call, I am in the moment with that. And, and then when I'm with my family, I'm doing that. So I really just try to be intentional um, and present with whatever I'm doing that I think helps me a lot. And I'm definitely someone who needs quiet. So, you know, for sure on the weekends, I try to look at my phone, you know, once or twice maybe through the day and not be on the computer unless I have to actually be doing something that's on the computer is um, I think, you know, as a whole society, we're sort of just on all the time. So certainly I encourage people just to take time that's quiet, whatever that may be, and really to connect with nature as much as possible. I certainly don't do this as much as I would like to, but literally to go touch the ground somewhere um, and be in nature because that's so super healing. Um, so I love it when I can do that. My The beach is my favorite place in the world. So I need to do more of that one. But you know, anytime you can connect with nature, it's wherever that may be is amazing. Well, it's great that you live in Los Angeles if you like beaches. <laughs> yes. Um, Although we're so busy. It's like, so I know. It's, and, it, and you have to fight traffic together. Yeah. So by the time you get there, you're really stressed anyway. Yeah. It's a whole thing. So. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Um, so great. So where can um, everyone find you? You know, find the campaign, everything about Living Leila. So, yeah, so um, if, if they just go to livingleela.com, that's living and then L-E-L-A.com, um, really that's going to connect them to kind of all of our stuff because um, if they click online programs, that's going to take them to our soulfulconceptions.com, which shows all of our online content. And we have a lot of different things on there that people can look at and a lot of free content on there too. Um, and then the, um, the campaign, if they go, um, either to the Instagram, uh, at tame underscore the underscore shame, then they'll find our page. Um, and, or if they're on the living Lilo website and they go to the blog, the first blog they'll see is a tame the shame. And it really goes into detail about kind of what we're doing, what our intention is, what the invitation is. And and then it has these printable templates, uh, if they want to use those. So, um, so yeah, I mean, those are probably the best ways to find us. And of course, uh, Living Leela has an Instagram page and a Facebook page and all of that as well. Um, and then we also, um, I don't know if you were going to segue into this, but we would love mm-hmm. to give your listeners uh, yeah, sure. some, some stuff. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Some big bonuses. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we want to offer all of your listeners, um, and we'll send you the code for this, okay? Um, But we'll offer all of your listeners 50% off of all of our um, online content, anything that they want to purchase. Um, But the other big thing that we would love to do is we'd love to do a raffle um, and actually give away our whole complete mind body fertility program and this is like our big shebang it's got like everything in it it's over 20 hours of content Mm -hmm. mostly video it's got audios and pdf and it really goes through our whole whole comprehensive methodology including the yoga the ball work you know the breath work but then it's got the psychology piece the ayurvedic piece um the meditations and then we have a bonus section as well Mm -hmm. Um, so it really there's a lot of wonderful content in there and so if um if anyone is interested in being uh considered for that raffle, um, they can go to the Living Leela um, Instagram and we will post a special post on there um, to say, it'll say like giveaway or something like that. We'll do something like that. And um, if they go on there and they um, comment, uh, tag a friend, you know, um, something like that. And then they use the hashtag 
soulful conceptions, all one word, then we will enter them into the raffle and we'll, uh, and we'll do the raffle and you'll just let us know when this is going to air so that you can, you can put in the show notes or whatever, mm-hmm. like when, when we're going to pull the raffle, we'll figure that one out. But, um, yeah. yeah. So oh, wow. Did you hear that? <laughs> that sounds amazing. Whoever wins this is a lucky mom <laughs> for sure. <laughs> cool. Oh, so good. Well, thanks for being on the show. It was so wonderful to speak to you guys again. On yes. the other side this time. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, same here. Yes. yes. So awesome. We love what you're doing. And so thank you so much for inviting us to be a part of your conversation. Yeah, thank you. And if anyone is in Los Angeles, I really, uh, I really encourage uh, all of you to go, you know, find them. You're in Los Angeles, right? We are in Los Angeles, yes. Yeah, so definitely go look them up. Uh, you will definitely not be, you'll, you'll learn a lot. That's all I can say. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. That was an awesome episode, uh, talking with Wendy and Deborah. For those of you who do not know what we're talking about, um, there's this aspect of the conversation where we're talking about fertility charting, where we mentioned the book, Taking Care, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, and we were talking about cervical mucus and basal body temperatures. Um, I actually covered this topic on fertility charting uh, back in a few episodes ago with Lisa Henderson jack She's the author of Fifth Vital Signs, so I really encourage you to go back and listen to the episode because fertility charting changed my life and it can possibly change yours. Um, it's basically a method where you understand your body signals and you kind of monitor certain signs every single day so you know exactly when you're fertile during um, a certain time of the month and when you're not infertile. So basically you can kind of not depend so much on birth control and also you can really kind of tune into your body especially if you have PCOS or endometriosis or any kind of symptoms like that so I really encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episode um, it's with Lisa Henderson Jack uh, it's called the fifth vital sign I think and it's about fertility charting